Orale. Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFB podcast. I'm your host Jorge Martin and we are live on YouTube. We got our, we got another invitado familia. This NFL Insider series is just caliente. Caliente, caliente, caliente. We are just bringing it. People are really just the the opinions that are coming in, it's just getting that insider look. It's just fantastic, just fantastic. I, I can't wait to get in with our invitado. But first, I just want to give a quick uh, shout out. We are, as as we mentioned, we are a part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. So we are in the fam Fantasy Points Familia. When you go to fantasypoints.com, you get your get your subscription. We're going to get you ten percent off, and this is what you're going to get on on this Friday, the twenty fourth. They're starting uh, the the fantasy franchise focus series, where you get thirty two article thirty two days, all coming up to training camp. Thirty two articles, thirty two podcasts. You got key off season moves. Scott Barrett's strength of schedule. You got Graham Barfield's pace and tendencies. Data points from Chris Wecht and Brett Whitefield. Some you know who were part of the new fantasy points data and research search team you got projections from uh, joe dolan and jake tribby you got dynasty by lows from wes huber john hansen's final points i mean just interviews with beat writers like this one so uh you know we're we're uh just getting that inside look so make sure when you're going into when you go to fantasypoints.com get that and get that 10 percent off and go put in the promo code familia 22 or if you want to do it in spanish put in familia 22 so familia we get we got another return guest and it's just it, it's awesome and it's fitting that he's wearing green because look at that backdrop we are going to philly we are going to the land of the rocky statue the the philly cheesesteaks i'm telling you but also the eagles the philadelphia eagles i i'm telling you it's it's just, I, 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 it almost was philadelphia freedom and the freedom that came out but no philadelphia eagles to the legal familia it's it's awesome you know it, it's connor miles coming in from um sports illustrated he is and he's also part of eagles today he's also the the co-host of the eagles unfiltered podcast which during the season they come out all the time they give fantasy advice they give just regular up-to-date these guys are getting the 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 content from the play from the field itself i mean there and from the locker room the training the everything they they have it all so connor mi amigo bienvenido welcome again thank you for joining us i mean after an introduction like that how can you not rejoin the show am i right like <laughs> this guy just pumps you up like no other man that Jorge, thank you so much for having me back on man it's going to be a pleasure it it is awesome i mean you know and it's it's been uh it's been quite the off season for the team uh, and, it, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, I think there were there, I think there were some questions asked after the playoff loss in Tampa, but you, but then you get, you bring in, you bring in AJ Brown. I, I, I mean, I, first I want to know, because there was no smoke on that one. How shocked were you on draft night when that one, when that one came down? Completely shocked. I mean, they kept that completely in house too. And in the Philadelphia media world where they get every little tidbit of information and run with it none of that got out and they were discussing the contract with him prior to the draft even happening so to keep that as much in the house as they did uh they had to though where hey, i don't know if before the aj brown trade you know philadelphia eagles fans were mad at the team uh they were not happy with this how this offseason was actually going out so far they didn't think they did enough to build around jalen hurts and then that one move really just propelled them it showed how their commitment to Hurts. Uh, they tried to get Calvin Ridley. You know, that the only reason why that deal fell through is because he was suspended for the season. If not, we were talking about Calvin Ridley and Devontae Smith. We're not talking about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And they tried to get Robert Woods. 
before he went to the Titans. You know, they tried to, they were in on the Devontae Parker sweepstakes as well. They they tried every avenue to upgrade the wide receiver position. So I think they were just as shocked as we were that you know John Robinson was willing to make that deal. And the only reason why you know he's willing to make that deal is because the Eagles would have took Traylon Burks there if the Titans would have said no. Uh, so the Eagles would have had Traylon Burks and Devontae Smith. So no matter what, this team was looking to upgrade the wide receiver room and get as much power that they could out of the wide receiver trio uh, this season. And, you know, just to answer your original question, we were sh- absolutely we were shocked. But at the same time, you're holding the player that the Titans thought that they were going to replace this one player with anyways, uh, and A.J. Brown. So uh, it was it was a match made in heaven. And not only that, Jalen Hurts and R.J. Brown are best friends. So you furthered your commitment to the quarterback that you're building around. Uh, by going out and acquiring his best friend, uh, it's 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 going to be insane. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how he's implemented. But I'll tell you right now, I know because it's going to come up in this fantasy questions. I don't see him missing a beat. Uh, he was the best wide receiver in press coverage the last couple of years, and if that tells me anything, that's telling me that he's bailing out the quarterback for making bad decisions or not having the best ball placement. And what is he going to do when he comes to Philadelphia? A little more of the same. You know, Jalen Hurts' accuracy is not all the way there, so. You're looking for a skill set of a guy that can handle press coverage extremely well, and you're looking at a guy that can, you know, make catches even if the ball isn't in his catch radius. And that's what they got in AJ Brown. So I don't, I don't see AJ Brown missing a beat whatsoever, uh, continuing what he's been doing in these past three years in Tennessee. And, and one of the most physical specimens out there. I mean, and and cool. I've seen him in contested ball situations. I, I still have in my memory. I don't know. I think it was in 2020. He caught a touchdown one-handed because the, the, his other hand was tied, you know, was tied up by the DB. So they called they called the DB for p- pass interference, but he he'd already caught the touchdown. So it was like, okay, penalty nullified. Yeah. One of the just a beautiful ball player. You just want health. But the great thing about it is he didn't he didn't have any surgery last year like he did uh, the previous offseason, uh, where he probably should have had it during the season, but he played through it. So just a physical specimen, but I, I, but you, you touched on Jalen hurts and I want to kind of start there because I kind of feel like this is the fulcrum point. I mean, uh, that with him and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I'm, I'm high on him and this year, because I just, I still think he's young. He's going to make progressions. He's a coach's son. He's a worker, worker in the weight room, worker, worker on the field, worker on the video. I, I mean, it's just, it seems like those guys don't fail. And I, I just want, I, I just want you to tell me, cause there are the questions about the arm strength. There are questions about the accuracy, which, you know, sometimes the arm strength can be worked on. Uh, the accuracy can definitely be worked on. Remember, just you know, Josh Allen from year two to year three. I'm not calling for that kind of thing, but tell me what we, what what you liked from last season, and what you can see is coming out this year for us. Oh, last year he. I mean, let's remind all the listeners. You know, that was his first full year starting the NFL. It's never going to look perfect. You know, four games of your rookie season in 2020 that was clouded by the coronavirus and not having a real training camp, not having real mini camp, not having real reps as a rookie. You know, I throw that out the window. I mean, that's just unfair to judge him on that. So I look at last season as his first full season starting, and that's never going to be perfect. You know, uh, this team went through this already with Carson Wentz. It wasn't the the brightest his rookie year. The lights really came on in year two, and the reason why they did is because they added all those proven talent uh, weapons around him. And, you know, if I'm looking at the de- Jalen Hurts' development, I'm looking at his yearly progression from what I'm basing it off of his college record. He went to Oklahoma, played pocket passer for the first time ever in his collegiate career, and he excelled. He put himself in the Heisman conversation. So 
how would I doubt Jalen Hurts' progression going to the NFL when he's already showing me, you know, beginning of the season, did not really have it as a passer. You know, against the Atlanta Falcons, it was pretty impressive, but the rest of the way, it was very underwhelming as a passer. He really relied on his legs. Um, now, if you take the last, you know, six weeks of the season, even with that bad ankle injury, which he had, he had a you know, bum ankle, he had to turn more into a passer. You saw the progression. You saw him not having the willingness to take off and run because that was probably his biggest fall last year is bailing out in a clean pocket and trying to take off for more yards and make something happen with your legs instead of make something through the air happen. Uh, but I also think, you know, where you look at last year, they had their best, their best weapon, in my opinion, uh, if it wasn't Dallas Goddard, it was Devontae Smith, and Devontae Smith was a rookie. You know, Devontae Smith is going to be a great player in this league. He might end up being the Eagles wide receiver one when it's all said and done in year three and four, and A.G. Brown's the complimentary piece. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. But he's still a rookie, and he's still trying to figure out his way in the NFL, and he was very impressive, but he had the attention of the whole entire secondary as the wide receiver. Now you can't do that. You have to pay attention to A.J. Brown, of course, but also Quez Watkins as well in the slot, who's going to be predominantly in the slot now as a vertical threat. Uh, there's so many many opportunities for him to improve as a passer with just these weapons and the space that A.J. Brown is going to help generate on the field uh, for guys like Dallas Goddard and Quez Watkins. So um, just to answer your question on Jalen Hurts, I, the progression's been there. You know, I understand that people, this is a results-driven league. You want to see it in the box score more than you want to see it on the field. But there was definitely progression there. There just wasn't enough talent around him. You know, Jalen Rager was not maximizing any opportunities when his snaps were on the field, unfortunately. Uh, Quez Watkins was still trying to find his way. He was productive, but he was still trying to find his way. He was, you know, I want to I want to say probably mid-tier uh, capable wide receiver. Probably like if you want to put him as a fantasy term, probably wide receiver 40 last year trying to figure it out. That's where I would put him as in that range. Uh, could be a lot better this year, though. But, you know. Just to answer your question, just putting A.J. Brown into the equation, a guy who doesn't need your quarterback to be the most accurate. He doesn't need your quarterback to put the best ball on him. He's still going to make plays for you. He doesn't need you to put him a deep ball 50 yards down the field. He just needs you to hit him in the basket for a 10-yard slant. He'll do the rest. Um, it's hard for me not to be able to see uh, a huge leap from Jalen Hurts in, in year two as a starter, uh, especially when Philadelphia already went through this before, of course, at once. who took a huge leap when they added Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith to the fold. And that, and, that, and that's the thing. So, you know, we talked we've talked a little bit about what we're looking at this season, and we you know when he, he last year it was it looked like there was the Baltimore Ravens twenty you know twenty nineteen Baltimore Ravens and Good comparison, and it was you know the running game was the the absolute priority. You had, uh, but now you get AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard now and. And we're going to get into those guys in a second. We're going to break those guys down. But how, how do you see kind of like the run pass and how much do you see the run pass breakdown and how much do you see Jalen Hurts still being a big part of the running game himself? Eagles never want to be a run first offense. That's not their philosophy. That's not what they want in that building. That's just it goes against everything that the owner was wishing for. Um, the only reason why they switched to the run first philosophy is because it was working. I mean, nobody could stop Jalen Hurts on the ground. And, in, you know, he was their whole entire run game last year. Miles Sanders, Kenny Gamewell, uh, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard were complementary pieces to what Jalen Hurts, the dynamic ability that he brought to the field. Uh, you still have to respect that. You know, he's one of the better athletes in the NFL, if not the best, at being a dual threat right now, other than Lamar Jackson. 
you have to respect that talent. You have to utilize it to your advantage no matter what in this offense. But at the same time, they're looking at all the additions that they made. They paid AJ Brown $100 million. They gave Dallas Goddard a huge contract extension. They want to see results through the air. And I just see them being way more of a pass-efficient team. I see them being more 70-30 passing than running. And the reason being is because Jalen Hurts can take off what Jalen Hurts wants to take off. But he's mostly going to be taking off on plays that are set up for passing. And if the pass doesn't develop, he's just going to take off and run. Uh, I don't think he's going to be so willing to do so this time around with all the, you know, the the additions in place on offense and Devontae Smith in year two and everything we're talking about now. But again, Shane Seichen is the play caller for the Eagles. He announced it this last week and it blew us away too. That was another thing they kept in house was, you know, Sirianni wasn't calling the plays. It was Shane Seichen. And if, I don't know if you're familiar with him as much as the, the listeners are to her, but he was calling plays for Justin Herbert his rookie year. So, and you saw what Justin Herbert did his rookie year. He had a phenomenal year passing. You know, that wasn't something that was just right overnight. They had it with Philip Rivers too as well. That's a passing offense that they had over there. And that's what they want to bring to Philadelphia. And that's what they're implementing here now. They just reverted to the run last year because it was the most efficient thing that they were doing offensively. But that is not what they want to do at all. And especially with all these additions they made on the team. Uh, I see them being way more of a passing dominant offense this year. Jalen Hurts has practiced with Tom House. Uh, He did work out with him this offseason. And I think, if anything, that helps him from a, I don't want to say from a mechanic standpoint, because I can't really speak on that. He's working with Quincy, Quincy Avery, and he's working on his dropbacks, and that's really what his number one flaw is, is he claps his feet too much when he drops back, and that's really hurting his accuracy, in my opinion. I don't know if that's been really worked on, because, again, you're in these OTAs and this minicamp, they've been having, I mean, excuse me, they didn't have a minicamp, but they, in the short OTAs that they did have, you couldn't really tell if his mechanics were fixed or not because it was just jogging and throwing in while you're jogging in place. But he was making more individual reads. And that's what Tom House really really is as a quarterback trader. He tries to help you develop your quarterback IQ. And I think that's what Jalen Hurts was struggling at. Is You know, he goes into a Lincoln-Riley offense where you're always supposed to just throw it to the first read. Don't even think about it. Hit the first read. Hit the first read. Uh, and he, you showed it last year, too. You locked it on his first read, and you always try to go there with a the ball. Uh, and that's not how that works in the NFL. You have to at least have some kind of quarterback vision and survey the whole entire field. And that's the one thing that I think we noticed that the OTAs and players admitted to themselves is that he took his time. He's more patient. He was looking and scanning the field a lot better. And if he's able to do that going into the season, they're definitely going to be a more passing offense because the only reason why they reverted to the run so much is because he could was always locking on to that number one option, that Devontae Smith. He's looking for Devontae Smith. He's looking for Devontae Smith. If it wasn't there, he's taking off and running. Uh, if he didn't, he just didn't have the trust of his rest of his receivers on that team. That's going to change now. AJ Brown's his best friend. So they have to make it happen through the air. The Eagles are going to force fed it to him like they did last year. And if he doesn't prevail, uh, that's just going to be a huge indictment of the team and let them know that they don't have a franchise caliber quarter, quarterback as they thought they did. But they're all in on Joan Hurts. I'm not trying to say they're not. I'm just saying if he does not develop as a passer this year and, and it goes the way it did last year, they're probably going to go a different direction at quarterback because they want to be a passing offense. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, and it really is looking like a make or break season for him. And because and you talked about the weapons, I'm going to ask you uh, kind of specifically about each of the uh, I, who I see that are the big three uh, when it comes to pass catching. Obviously, AJ Brown, kind of the element he comes in, and uh, Devonta Smith. If how do you see these two complementing each other uh, as the top two targets in the in the offense? It's going to be interesting because, I mean, we haven't really seen this for A.J. Brown yet. It's been like Julio Jones, 
and that didn't really work out. You saw all the injuries and all that stuff. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the target share is divided up between the two because, again, Devontae Smith is used to this at Alabama because he's always had the Jerry Judys of the world, the Henry Ruggs of the world. He, he had to work his way up himself. Uh, so he's used to having to share the ball with a bunch of wide receivers. It's not so much him. It's worry A.J. Brown because you expect A.J. Brown this year, in my opinion, to finish in the wide receiver 11 to 15 range. And the only reason being is because of all the targets that he's going to have to share with Dallas Goddard himself, too, because Dallas Goddard's going to be a huge staple of this offense. They want to they make him their George Kittle. They want him to be. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the most targets this year, Hori, to be completely honest with you. Wow. That's the guy they really want to center the offense around and, and with the, all the space he's going to have. And think about, you know, A.J. Brown's great with a yak. Devontae Smith was really great with the yak last year. But Dallas Goddard is, their I think, their number one weapon that's the best with the ball in his hands and getting yards after the catch. Uh, that's what I mean by yak for everybody out there listening. <laughs> but uh, so I know we're talking about Devontae Smith. We're talking about A.J. Brown, but... If I'm a fantasy football player and I'm looking at drafting a wide receiver and I need a guy that's going to get a bunch of targets this year, put those guys at the lows of, lower of your list because it's going to be very interesting for the Eagles to figure it out on offense how to divide up the target share. Uh, it's going to take a ball season long to figure that out. And I think Devontae Smith, I mean, excuse me, A.J. Brown is probably in for, I don't want to say his career worst season, but I can't see him getting 1,000 yards if, you know, Dallas Goddard's going to be getting the ball as much as he's going to be getting it. And Devontae Smith's going to get the ball as much as he's getting it. But uh, really, what I really want to see A.J. Brown bring to this offense is a red zone threat. Uh, once they get into the red zone, they usually focus on Dallas Goddard, and then they've struggled uh, with the rest of the passing options in the end zone. That's where A.J. Brown's going to come in and thrive the most. I see him having at least double-digit reception touchdowns, but uh, it's going to be an uphill climb for him to get 1,000 yards with all the targets that are going to be eaten up by Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith as well. I know we're talking about two, but you, it's really hard to talk about two when you know that that tight end is going to be a huge part of your offense. And that, and that's the thing. I mean, you talked about Goddard. I mean, it 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 really is that big three. I mean, they're they're just going to eat up so uh, between the three of them. Could we be looking at like seventy five percent of the targets out of the out of the three of them? Something. Oh, absolutely, there? absolutely. Uh, and not only that, I mean, Jalen Hurts. The best way I would describe Jalen Hurts, and he's been described like this before, and especially shout out to my my good friend Thor Nystrom of Roto World. He's described him like this. I consider him a point guard more than I do a quarterback. And I mean, again, people may laugh at that and say, well, that's that's the point of the, the point guard and the quarterback is to distribute the ball. But he really takes advantage when he sees space. When he sees a guy have enough space, that's where he feels the most comfortable throwing him the ball. When you put A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the same team on opposite sides of each other, the guy in the middle is going to eat. Because he's gonna have so much space uh, to ground and cover, and that's gonna be Dallas Goddard's bread and butter. He's never had that yet. He's not had that since he's been in the NFL yet. So uh, to see this come to fruition, it's it's gonna be amazing. I really think Dallas Goddard of the three is gonna be the most beneficial. That's oh wonderful. Tight end, I would say. Yeah. Tight end three is his ceiling. Wow. This year for mm -hmm. fantasy. I can see that. But I definitely see him finishing in the, at least a six to eight range, if not. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to have so much target shares. And then the fact that he's he might be the one that has a thousand yards, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's going to have so much space to cover. And he's very fast, very fast for a tight end. He he's you know, if George Kittle didn't exist, Dallas Goddard would get that hype, to be honest with you. He's just a, a poor man's George, uh, George Kittle, in my opinion. And that's not that far off. 
Yeah, think about it. Eight hundred and thirty yards last year in fifteen games in a in a run centric offense. This is going to be a team that's going to look to have Jalen Hurts pass for more than three hundred yard thirty one hundred yards like he did last year. I, that, that's why. I mean, that's why I also think. I mean, we didn't talk about this, but QB one is very well, very much in the in the realm of possibilities when it, if if Jalen Hurts reaches his ceiling, I think it could be QB one, and that's saying a lot because. Josh Allen is phenomenal, and uh, it's but, gonna be fighting with Lamar and Josh Allen all season long. I guarantee it. I mean, I can see that. Let's not forget the ten rushing touchdowns. That wasn't a fluke. I mean, you know, it, if they get into the red zone and he's not comfortable, he's gonna run it in. He likes contact. He likes to take the hit. He's their most physical runner that they have on the team. So I, 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 I would be shocked if he's not fighting with the with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson for that top quarterback spot. I really would be shocked. And I think I saw the stat. I think it was in an Eagles Today article talking about how he was the best short red zone running back, a red zone yes. runner for the Eagles last year. And so, By far. yeah, and he's not a guy who, you know, he he's he is, you know, re, I mean, he's really strong. He's got, you know, he's he's incredibly strong. But you also look at him as a guy who, you know, he's not going to take the stupid hit. So that, that that's the juke step of really since Michael Vick. I mean, Lamar is Lamar's fast and elusive. It's hard to tackle Lamar. It's easier to tackle Jalen Hurts because he's not as fast as elusive as Lamar. But he'll make you miss, though. And it's all by that first step. That first step, he throws everybody off, and then they go a different direction, he goes a different direction. So uh, it's not as elusive and as, as shiftiness as Vic and Lamar, but it's as effective as Cam Newton. That's the best way I can put it. Any uh, as far as sleeper possibilities, or even maybe like occasional Kenny Gamewell, Kenny Gamewell, that that I, 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 you know what? I'm glad. Well, uh, but on, on the Quez Watkins, Jalen Rieger, oh, for the wide receiver side, Quez Watkins for sure, because you know, everybody questions Jalen Hurts' arm strength, and you're wrong on that. I'll just tell you right now, I fully think you're wrong. I've seen this guy throw bombs, he can do it, can he do it consistently enough? That's that's where you should be asking that question. That's where you should be doubting him, but you shouldn't be doubting his total arm strength. He has it in him. He just isn't consistent enough throwing the ball enough to throw it that deep each time. But uh, Quest Watkins, you know, people, secondaries didn't really pay attention to him last year because they were tr still trying to figure out who he was. And he had 600 yards. You know, he had this, you know, the Eagles the year prior had Travis Fogel come out of nowhere and, and shock them. And, you know, he faltered. That's not how they feel about Quez Watkins. They think Quez Watkins is a sending star for this team, and they, they are perfectly content with putting him in the slot, putting him at the X, and putting him at the Z position as well. So he's definitely going to be a sleeper for this team. And, you know, he may actually – he should be – he should at least lead the team by yards per reception. I absolutely believe that. He's the best deep threat. He is their 100% their best deep threat on this roster. So uh, I would not buy shares in Jalen Rager. The only reason why I'm saying that I know he's been disappointed in everything and with everything being considered, but I also think at the same time, you know, the Eagles are the best trading team when it comes to trading camp. They're going to think that they have a surplus wide receivers at some point, and some team's going to have a wide receiver injury and bet on the potential that Jalen Rager showed at TCU. I'm not really 100% sold he's going to be there at, at the start of week one, but if he is, they're pushing him down the death chart this time, Corey. They're not. They're not giving him the opportunities that they gave him because of the politics of him being a first round pick. He, the most impact he's going to give you is wide receiver five on the Eagles, and it's just not going to be enough to cut it for fantasy purposes. He's not going to be rosterable, unfortunately, uh, if he is on the team. But 
Quez Watkins is definitely a guy that if you're in the last round of your draft, your last two rounds of your draft, and you're looking to fill out your depth chart, uh, he's going to get you some touchdowns from your flex position. If, if you look at, you know, look at the nickel corners in the NFC East. Oh. You don't have that many good nickel corners in the NFC East. Uh, and nor do I think they have any. Anthony Brown is is not going to be able to handle the speed of Quest Watkins. Um, just to throw that out there. Kendall Fuller is not fast enough to handle Quest Watkins. Uh, Adore Jackson is not fast. Or Darari Holmes, whoever the Giants want to throw out there, is not fast enough to cover Quest Watkins. When you have a, a true vertical threat as your slot wide receiver, like, you know, John Brown was for Buffalo, mm-hmm. um, Emmanuel Sanders ended up being a little bit of that for Buffalo this year. I'm looking at the guys at the top quarterbacks of this league and fantasy-wise. Uh, they really do thrive, and they do actually offer some flex positional values. So uh, in those weeks where you're struggling and you're having a guy on by and you're trying to figure out a quick flex, make sure that you're starting Quez Watkins when he plays the NFC East because they don't have any nickel corners in that division to handle him. Love it. Love it. All right. You, you teased it with uh, Kenny Gainwell. The running backs are, are a group that, oh, wait a second. Uh, let me see. Uh, Fry Frogel season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, no, not this time. Nope. Not this time. So when it comes to uh, the running backs, you got Miles Sanders. You, you talked about Kenny Gainwell. Uh, you know, their ADPs are very different. You get what uh, Miles Sanders is he going to be the lead back? But it's, I, I'm getting the feeling we're going to get enough out of Kenny Gamewell where he, where he get he's getting drafted. He could be a value. I'm I know they're going to get to like round five and six, and you might not add that running back, and you're kind of worried about what are you going to do at running back two. What are you going to do at running back two? And you might panic and pick Miles Sanders. Don't do that. He's on the last year of his rookie contract. Eagles have made no mm-hmm. effort or interest in extending that deal. He has to prove it to them this season that he deserves a second contract. And I don't think they really, I don't think this new coaching staff, remind you, this new coaching staff did not inherited. They inherited Miles Sanders, did not draft Miles Sanders. They drafted Kenny Gainwell. I don't think this new coaching staff thinks Miles Sanders is a lead back whatsoever. I think they think he's a dash of dash back. And what I mean by that is, look what Marlon Mack was for the Indianapolis Colts before Jonathan Taylor's arrival that he was a dash back. He's elusive back, uh, but you knew he wasn't the guy. And I think that's where the Eagles are at with Miles Sanders. I don't think they think he's the guy. He's the change of pace back that can hit the home run uh, every occasion. But I don't think they want to give him more than 13 carries per game this season. Uh, and the huge reason being is Kenny Gatewell, five rushing touchdowns last year as a rookie, did not play at all in 2020 due to the coronavirus at Memphis came into the NFL and hit the ground running immediately, had a, had a touchdown his uh, first game in the NFL. I really think that the, he is the future of the Eagles' backfield. And it's funny to say because everybody looks at his size. They look at, uh, can he handle that type of role? I 100% believe he can. I think he is really, you know, this this team's modern-day Brian Westbrook-type player. Uh, and I think he could do it all on the ground and in the passing game as well. And that's what the Eagles want. They want a running back that could do it both. They don't want a guy who just... You know, just hit that home run threat like Miles Sanders can. And I know everybody's thinking, well, Miles Sanders is good at catching the ball. He's gotten worse every year. He's gotten worse catching the ball every year. His vision's gotten worse every year. He's been a huge uh, uh, negative mark in the drop passes uh, for Jalen Hurts. I don't think this team is going to be committing to Miles Sanders this season because they don't want to extend that rookie contract that he's on. And I really think they want to, you know, 
transitions more into Kenny Gamewell being the guy in the backfield. Uh, so I would avoid Miles Sanders and Jazz because I think you're only going to get midseason uh, production. I think you're going to get like a good six games out of him, and that's about it, fantasy wise. And that's not good enough to be a running back, too, especially if you're taking him in round five and six. Uh, so if he's there in the, you know, the seven to eight range, then yeah, by all means, take the chance on him. But just know you're going to be putting him on the bench a lot because those zero touchdowns last year were not a fluke. That wasn't something that, you know, he just wasn't able to get in the end zone. The Eagles, every time they got close to the end zone, they took him out. They didn't trust them to run in the red zone. So that's a huge red flag for me. And the reason being is that I don't think they this offense is that invested in him uh, being a consistent back. I think they really view him. And again, I say I bring up Marlon back because he's a perfect example. Nick Sirianni uh, had that when he was in Indianapolis. He knew what, that Marlon Mack wasn't the guy. And all they did was invest in a guy like Jonathan Taylor. And I, I think, you know, it's not the same build by any means, but they're invested in Kenny Gamewell. They really like Kenny Gamewell a lot. They're going to give Kenny Gamewell a bunch of opportunities this year. And I will tell you, Jorge, the huge reason why the Eagles didn't draft a running back or replace Jordan Howard, really. I know they brought in undrafted free agent Kennedy Brooks, but it's an uphill climb for him to make the team. It's because they want to go to a lesser backfield. They want to have three backs instead of four. They're going to keep Boston Scott around but they really want to get the opportunities more for Kenny Gamewell because if he is going to be the guy that takes over the backfield next year because they're not going to resign Miles Sanders, he's going to need the opportunities this year to prove to be that guy, and that's going to be a huge thing for him. If he's on the board in round 10, 11, 12, you need to draft him because you might actually end up having to start a running back there on your bench for the first couple of weeks of the season until he takes over for Miles Sanders full-time. Yeah, because consensus ADP right now has Gainwell going at the top of the 12th round. So that, that seems like a value. That's a steal because I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, by by at least by the end of the Eagles' bye week, towards the end of the season where they're making the playoff push, Kenny Gamble is going to be a huge, huge part of that. And I think he's going to be the main guy in the backfield at that point. And, you know, I had one other flashback. You know, you were talking about Shane Steichen, uh, who was his running back in with the Chargers. Austin Eckler, yep. And, yeah. you know, Naeem Hines with the Indianapolis Colts. You know, he's not – he's a great receiver – Perfect in the slot. The reason why the Colts love him so much is because he could do so. He's a multi-purposeful back. So is Austin Eckler. And what is Kenny Gamewell? He could do it all. And that's what they wanted as a running back. And I, I really think that they're going to let him take the job this year and run with it. Miles Sanders is going to start this year. I mean, again, Miles Sanders is still going to contribute. Don't get me wrong. But it's not going to be enough to warrant where he's being drafted in his ADP. Isn't his ADP like six right now? Six round? Six round. Yeah. yeah. I, that's not good enough. And you're not going to get a six round production out of Miles Sanders this year. Absolutely not. Avoid him at, at all costs. Ooh, familia. We got this. We got this. Uh, I, that's why I love this series. I love this series. Uh, mi amigo. Okay. Well, we're going to get into the offensive line right now. Number one by Pro Football Focus. And it was a group that I was listening back to our, our show last year. It, it was definitely a developmental group. A group that was, you know, uh, the expectations were not 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 high. Yeah, we didn't know what Jordan Milano was, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now he's one. I think it was number three left tackle in in all of football in in uh, in the Pro Football Focus ratings. Amazing. I, you know, this group stays healthy. I mean, the last time they had it, they had a top notch offensive line. This was a Super Bowl team. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to compare that, but. It's always the great teams that have the great offensive lines. And how much is the, is is this? And and are they better in pass or run? A better run, absolutely, one hundred percent. They're better in run, but I mean, still a top ten passing, uh, pass blocking offensive line. Still, regardless, that left side of the offensive line, you're going to be hard pressed to tell me there's a better left side of the offensive line in the NFL than what the Eagles possess right now. And even the right side, I mean, Lane Johnson at this point. And, you know, 
what when he missed time last year it was for his mental health and i don't want to shed any negative light on that whatsoever uh because mental health is the most important thing in my life as yes. well too Take but care of those. he's he's not dependable though and that's really where you it's hard to gauge the eagles offensive line if they are a top uh three unit or they're a top 10 unit because lane johnson's so vital to their success they don't win unless lane johnson's on the field it's it's insane you know if they had went above replacement for a uh, stat for an offensive line lane johnson would be number one in the nfl because the eagles are badly i think they're 10 and 21 and in the last 31 games that he wasn't out on the field for that team they're not a good team when lane johnson's not out there but i will say this left side of the offensive line with lane dickerson asserting himself as left guard now that's that's his position that's where he's going to be for the rest of his career with the eagles he was the top 12 left guard uh for the minute he started there to the end of the season with last year and Jason Kelsey's Jason Kelsey. So that left side of the offensive line is just going to boom for the running backs. I mean, you know, that's the side that Kenny Gainwell favors as well. Just so everybody knows uh, out there, he does favor going to the outside zone on the left side. And the Eagles have the, I, I am going to make that bold statement. They had the best left side of the offensive line in the NFL period. So just so on the Kenny Gainwell truth, there's no out there. That's where you want to get him on the left side. And he's going to be doing it very well with the Eagles. As long as Jordan Mulata, Lane Dickerson and uh, Jason Kelsey stay healthy. That, that left side for the rushing attack is going to thrive. Now, at right guard, they have an open competition between Jack Diskel and uh, Isaac Sayamalo, and either one of them are very good players, in my opinion. I thought Isaac Sayamalo was a great player, to be honest with you. He's just been banged up. You know, he can't stay healthy whatsoever. And Jack Driscoll's the same. Um, he's a good player. Uh, I think Isaac Sayamalo is more talented than Jack Driscoll, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, but again, those two guys are just injury problems. And if both of them are to go down, and they lose them, then yes, that is a hole for the Eagles offensive line because they don't have another guy to step up and replace them because they lost Nate Herbig uh, to free agency. He is now with the Jets now. So uh, Cam Jurgens is really, that second round pick that they had is really mm-hmm. a center. You know, he's a tight end converted to center. So that's not a guy, you know, he, he's going to be up to be put there at right guard, but that's not going to be a good situation for him if he does have to replace those guys at right guard. So it's still a little, you know, it's not as cut and dry as PFF is making it because they have one spot on the offensive line and it is deemed a weakness and it is right guard. You know, Brandon Brooks is one of the best right guards to ever play uh, the game of football for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, I know he did retire and he's been, you know, stuck with injuries his last couple of years. So he hasn't been the most dependable player either, but they're still replacing a legend uh, in Brandon Brooks. So it's going to be interesting. Isaac Samalo, again, he's played right guard for about 56 snaps in his career. That's not a lot considered. He's been in the league since 2016. Jack Driscoll is probably the better fit at right guard is being playing there in the NFL already before. But again, his injury situation and not being the better player than Isaac Sayamalo, we'll see how that goes. But the right side's a little question mark because, again, Lane isn't the most dependable and they don't know what the right guard's going to be yet uh, for week one. But the left side is the best in the NFL. So uh, no issues there. And Kenny Gimmel favors the uh, left side when he's running the ball. So this should be fine. Man, I'm going to start grabbing up Kenny Gamewell in best ball drafts. I, I'm telling you, man. I mean, I, I, the funny thing is you pointed it out yourself. You, you noticed that that in San Diego, I mean, excuse me, San Diego slash Los Angeles, uh, that's where St. Seichin is from. That's where, uh, you know, funny thing is Sirianni was there in 2017 too. So Eckler oh, was on the team right. then. He wasn't making the, the impact he is now. But, you know, that definitely still got to him because Sirianni and Philip Rivers were best friends. And Philip Rivers loved Austin Eckler. and was a huge reason why Austin Eckler got promoted to that job because he thought he was ready. and. uh you know, gave his foot of confidence for him. And that's what really propelled him as a starting running back. Uh, but just to answer your question, I mean, that's who they wanted. That's who they drafted. And if 
when a coaching staff comes to a team and they hand select a player, just know that that player at some point is going to take over. So it's going to be this year for Kenny Gable. It was almost last year too, to be honest with you. I mean, he had five more touchdowns than Miles Sanders. Uh, that care I'm more. I focus that. I know everybody loves the yards. We love the yards. I focus on the touchdowns, man. You're putting points on the board. I need points on the board where I'm winning my fantasy matchups. Kenny Gainwell will do that for you more than Miles Sanders will at this point, and that's because the offense favors one over the other. Oh, incredible. You got me fired up. You got me fired up. I can't believe the season's... We got to just... get people to know the much truth about Miles Sanders because I, need, I, I think a lot of people like Miles Sanders. I do too. Don't take this as any... I hope nobody takes this as a personal tie against Miles Sanders. I just think this is where the offense is going, and this is where they favor Kenny Gainwell now over him, and... Uh, the next opportunity for Miles Sanders, you know, whether it be in, I think Baltimore would be a perfect place for him to pair up with Lamar Jackson. We might have a different conversation next year when I come on this show. If uh, Jorge asks, what do I think about Miles Sanders in his new situation? I might take a whole different tone with him, but uh, I just, I know what this offense feels about him. I know how this organization feels about him. And it's hard for me not to see the Kenny game while prospering with everything I know. Oh, well, let's close out on the football side on the, the defensive side. I kind of want to get a get an idea how first how they're going to look against the run. How, how do you how do you see this defense shaping up against the run? Joe, Doug, you know, the, the, I'm sorry, um, how Howie Roseman loves to loves to work on the on the on both lines. How, how are you? How are they looking on the defensive front? They were terrible. Versus the run last year. And the huge reason being is because they didn't have a guy like Kaiser White. They didn't have a guy like N'Kobe Dean. They didn't have a guy like Jordan Davis. And that was really what hindered this defense is because they play multiple fronts, as we all know by now. Uh, Jonathan Gannon wants to dictate his ma- his scheme on the matchup. And they tried multiple times last year to get like a Marlon Satulupu, the fifth-round pick from USC last year, was supposed to be their nose tackle. That's who they wanted to use. Wasn't good enough. Jernard Avery got the Sam linebacker, Alex Singleton, uh, TJ Edwards. You know, TJ Edwards is probably their best linebacker last year, but that's not saying much. Uh, they just did not have the firepower and the personnel to, to be a good team against the run last year. And, you know, the funny thing is their best run defender was Marcus Epps, their third safety, who is looking to have a much larger role this year and who was the second graded safety against the run last year by pro football focus. So, um, Considering that they're still going to have him in a larger role, the additions of Kaiser White, who was great against the run, the Kobe Dean, who in college was amazing against the run, and Jordan Davis, who's going to be their nose tackle uh, when they want to do these multiple fronts and different schemes uh, on every every given week. Uh, just those additions alone make you think that they're going to be a much better team against the run. And I, I thoroughly believe it myself after seeing what these guys were doing uh, in OTAs flying around and uh, the formations that they were in. It's going to be hard to run against this team this year. Uh, they didn't have the guys. They didn't have the dogs in the house last year. That's just what it is. Uh, they had the scheme was fine. I didn't have a problem with the scheme. I think the issue with it was they didn't tailor enough personnel to Jonathan Gann's first year as a play caller, and it hurt him, you know, because he didn't have the guys. You know, they have Hassan Reddick now. Who, again, Hassan Reddick is good against the run as well. They have Brandon Graham coming back from that Achilles injury, who is one of the best run defenders as of all defensive ends in the NFL. So. The dogs are in the house this time around, Jorge. So to answer your question, I think they have the personnel now. So I believe that they will be good against the run this year. They weren't last year because they didn't have the guys. How about against the pass? I mean, Darius Slay is still 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 a good uh, a good defensive back, a good uh, number one cornerback. But uh, there have been some guys that have been beatable. How how does that group shape up for on that side of the ball? On, Truthfully, outside pass? of Kenny Moore, uh, it's hard pressed to find me a better nickel corner last year than Avante Maddox, though. 
Vontae Maddox played amazing football last year, this best football of his career, and he was really earning of that contract extension after he played that way. And I think the huge reason being is Jonathan Gannon's scheme really does favor the nickel quarter and propels them. I mean, let's not forget, Kenny Moore was an undrafted free agent for the New England Patriots, cut in the middle of training camp, picked up by the Colts, and then now is the best nickel quarter in the NFL by far. And I think that scheme had a huge part of it. And when he did lose Jonathan Gannon to the Eagles, he went out immediately and said, man, I'm losing one of my favorite coaches. And you could see that last year with Devontae Maddox's progression. I mean, he was... You know, nobody knew what he was going to be for this team. He's played safety for this team. He's played outside corner. He's played nickel corner. He was on the last year of his rookie deal, and people were thinking he was going to be gone. And he comes out this year, and he plays one of the top five nickel in the NFL by far. And it was very noticeable how he played. So they're they're solid there. And all he did was upgrade cornerback, too, because Steven Nelson was fine last year. He was an average starter for this team. Did he have some – did he get beat? Yes, he was very beatable, but – he still was an average starter for this team and did a very well job. Now they had James Bradbury, who was a cornerback one for the New York Giants. And, you know, now you're asking him to say, hey, you don't have to be a cornerback one for the Eagles. That's Darius Slay's job. Compliment him. I think they're going to be a great passing defense this year. They're going to be a better pass defense than they are run defense. That's for sure in my mind. And the huge reason being is that cornerback trio. James Bradbury on a prove-it deal has to regurgitate his market. Plays in a system that favors press coverage where I think he's, I mean, excuse me, zone coverage where he excels, excels, excuse me. I, I it's really going to be hard to pass on this photo of Eagles team this year. What's and Darius Slay, like you just said, you know, he's not missing a beat. He is 31 years old, but he has not missed a beat so far. When he does get beat, he gets beat by the top wide receivers in this game. Uh, I really think this, t- this is going to be a pa- top 10 uh, pass defense this year because it's going to be really hard to pass on these guys. Uh, your wide receiver one's going to get locked up by Darius Slay, but your wide receiver two, as talented as he is, he's going to have a tough time going up against James Bradbury, who has been a cornerback one in this league, for not only the Giants, but the Panthers as well. So I'm very excited for this passing defense. It's the best quarterback trio they've they've really trotted out to the field since 2006. Oh, incredible. Incredible. Mi amigo, you you just you you blew it out of the water. I mean, oh. it, it really was. It, it, this has been awesome. I uh, what I, I got I got one fun one for you to ask, but because you know we, we went there last year. But uh, what do you have coming up on Eagles today and Eagles Unfiltered uh, just to promote for uh, for up, up leading up to training camp? I'll promote this because it's already out right now. But I just did it yesterday. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins came on the show and we had a nice conversation about his fight for equality still. Uh, his, even though his playing career is over, he did retire. If you're a Saints fan, you might enjoy it a little bit. But we really did reflect on his Eagles career. Um, but anybody that is a fan of Malcolm Jenkins and his fight for equality would love it because he just announced that he is making his own whiskey. And the grains and ingredients he's using from the whiskey he's creating are from minority farmers that aren't being focused on as the big mass production farmers are. So he's really benefiting the black and brown community by going into there and taking all the farmers up and making sure that they have some business and making whiskey out of it with their breast grains and ingredients. So uh, salute to Malcolm Jacobs and his fight for equality. It continues even though his playing career is over with. And we discussed that on the latest episode of Eagles Unfiltered. And you can read the transcript and the article version on Eagles Today.com. Oh, fantastic. And you know, hey, you know what? 
uh, part of the reason why family FFB is here is to get, get uh, a little more color in the fantasy community and just making sure that we're it's highlighting. That. So yes, we need all the voices that we can get. Salud, salud to Malcolm Jenkins. Way to, way to do it. So, and I will end the show with one little tidbit. The Eagles defensive special teams this year, you might want to actually pay attention to them. They will get turnovers this year. They struggled with that big time. Ooh. But James Bradbury, three interceptions last year after being targeted so much. I expect him to lead the team with interceptions again this year for the Eagles. And they have some returning options. It's not going to be Jalen Rager this time around. They have some really good returning options. They just signed Devin Allen, who is a standout track runner. If his track running can translate to the football field, he might be one of the better returners in the NFL. We don't know. I mean, he's incredibly fast. Hopefully he can catch the punts and return them too as well. But uh, they do have some returning options this year that are actually some pretty solid options from undrafted free agents. Uh, Brittany McCovey from Utah, another guy who's going to be in the mix for returning options. Uh, their Eagles special teams of defense is going to be a lot better this year, folks. You might want to pay attention for them uh, in drafts. Oh, fantastic. So last year you sung the praises of shrimp tacos. Have you branched out much? In- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, when you got Tijuana a good flats, you know, I know I, this, this sounds incredibly white by me, but Tijuana Flats has rolled out their own shrimp tacos. I'm a big fan, man. I'm a big fan. They're very good. Crispy shrimp tacos from Tijuana Flats are definitely have my heart right now. Um, but I'm a taco lover. I'll eat any taco. You know me. Um, oh. Beef. I always love the good beef tacos. I'm actually going to get off this pot and go have some tacos right now, to be honest with you. The girlfriend made tacos for dinner, so uh, it's funny you bring that up. But, yeah, as soon as we get done here, I'm going to go have some tacos myself, finish my taco Tuesday on top. Crush those tacos, mi amigo. Crush those tacos. Muchas gracias otra vez. Uh, Familia. Oh, this was awesome. This was awesome. I'm I'm fired up for the season. I'm fired up for the season. Again, you know, you're, you're – we're going to have, we're going to go 32 for 32, just like we did last year. Hopefully we're going to be, the plan is to be done by the early days of training camp. So uh, we've got a lot of, t- a lot more teams to get to. Uh, Connor, th- this was un gran placer. And Familia, make sure you, when you go into fantasypoints.com, Familia 22, get your 10% off your subscription. Any of the subscription, they got college football too, got golf. All of those are available to you, uh, and you got you're gonna they're gonna help you win some money, win your leagues, and everything. And then we're gonna have uh, again keep coming back to our YouTube channel, keep coming back to our YouTube channel. Everything is archived on there, familia. So if you missed anyone, go back and see them. They're all about their you know twenty to forty minutes, forty five minutes. We went a little long, but hey, you know what? You caught the passion with uh, Connor today, and uh, familiafp.com for original content. I'll, I'm push out all my content on Jorge Martin 17 on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's Familia FFB. We're going to be there for you. We're going to help you win your leagues because you, one thing is for sure. Todos somos familia. Salud.